what is my inner critic saying? Because we all have it. And no matter who you are, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, they still have it. It's just much quieter. They're much better at it than we are. But everyone's got this critic. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, is the little voice inside your head. And that voice is your thoughts. Those thoughts are not you. Those thoughts are either a critic, and the job of a critic is just to point out how people are coming up short. This is how they could have made the film better. This is why the food at the restaurant sucked. This is um, why their relationship's failing. Like, that's what a critic does. Whereas a coach tells people how to make things better. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you today, Ben? I'm good. How you doing, Pat? I'm great. Today we are returning to our three by three. Three by three is when I come up with three topics, three questions, and you kind of give us your three hot takes on each one of those. Ready? Let's roll. All right. Today we're gonna we got. I've been doing these kind of like thematic ones, so we're gonna we're gonna continue with that. Today we've got three questions that everybody listening should ask themselves regularly. Three questions that every business owner should ask themselves regularly, and three questions that every athlete should ask themselves regularly. Cool. Right. Let's go with the first one first. Three questions everybody listening should ask themselves regularly. Okay. Um, so this is what, yeah. Um, what do I believe? What do I value? And what do I want out of my life? Hmm. So to me, that's what we should all be spending our time doing is making sure that as we are checking boxes, climbing the rungs of the ladder, that that ladder's leaning up against the right wall. I, I mean, I I feel like hell on earth would be busting your ass, working so, so hard for something that ultimately just does not matter at all. Dig a ditch, put a pile of dirt over there, and then fill the ditch back in just to do it. It's like, yep. like, I, I, like there's no purpose for that. There's no purpose for, that's a form of torture to me. So if we understand what do I believe, what do I value, what do I want in my life, we can then figure out where we should be putting our efforts. Mm-hmm. When you say believe, I think I'll, I'll, there's often a connotation of kind of you know religiousness or faith or something like that. What do you mean when you say, and maybe that is it, but what do you mean when you say believe? Like, what do you believe? Is that like, what kinds of answers tend to, to come to you when you ask yourself that? Yeah, I... I, I hesitate to answer that because I'd like for people to ask themselves that question, come up with it on their own. But yes, mm-hmm. it could be religious. Mm-hmm. Maybe you grew up Catholic and um, you know went to Sunday school and were an altar boy and all the rest. And but you find out that um, you know this these rituals, this group is not something you really inherently believe in. You continuing to go through those things just to go through the motions because they've been set upon you you know, for decades through your youth and adolescence is not a good use of my time. And conversely, 
let's say you grew up in an atheist home or somebody that, you know, agnostic or something, they just, there was, there was no religion at all, but you become incredibly spiritual to the point where you want to invest in a community and like, let's figure these things out. So you know how to spend. So we're, the other way to say this is like, uh, it's an acronym, W-I-N, win. Mm-hmm. What's important now? Mm. Like that's, so what is the most important thing I should be doing right now? You can't answer that question until you figure out what are the things you want out of your life. Yep. So when I say, what do you believe? If you believe that hard work is, you know, incredibly valuable, then like, awesome, bust your ass. If you believe that, um, hard work is a waste of time and we should all be surfing and smoking pot, then like that we should know those things. Mm. Like we should know those things so we're we can follow through on them. But without asking those questions, we're just we're letting someone else have control of our lives. And we're just trying to walk down a hallway without bumping into the walls. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like get out of the rat race, get above the maze, look at it and go, do I even want to be in that maze at all? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to be over there roaming in the prairies? Mm-hmm. What do I value? What do I want out of my life? I realize that I'm a paralegal living in a suburb of uh, an apartment in Boston. Do I hate my job? Do I not like commuting to work every day? If that's the case, like no one is forcing you to do that. I think people give up control too quickly. Mm. I think people feel like, and maybe it's even from like what we espouse, like only work on the things that you can influence and it's a very small number. And if it's outside your control, let it go. I think that when you realize that it's so empowering because you realize how much control you actually have over your life. So don't follow the routines and the rituals that just because they've been the routines and the rituals that you have done for the last year or decade or lifetime. Pop up and look, and this is why people get to a midlife crisis because they've been doing all this, all this, all this, and they get there and they are quote unquote successful they have their 2.5 kids. They have the house in the suburbs. They have the white picket fence and the golden retriever, and they're ultimately empty. They don't have what they thought they were going to get. It's because we didn't spend the time thinking about like, what is it that I value? What is it that I should be chasing? It reminds me of the, our conversation with Greg Everett, and it's in his book too, but I think you, I think you brought it up when we were talking to him, the, the point that so many, it's it's normal for a business to come up with a set of values, but it's yeah, so right. rare for an individual to sit down and actually say, these are the, these are the two, these are the three big values in my life. And therefore that's why I do this. or that's why I'm going to go pursue this. It's kind of wild that business organizations have figured this out, but humans on a personal level have not. Yeah. I don't want to say I haven't figured it out because people have, people are doing it. Yep. It's just not as common. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that definitely you, you kind of have to stumble your way into at some point, right? I don't ever remember growing up anybody asking me what my values were, or even my beliefs, maybe a little bit. Um, but but values Val- certainly, yeah. Not. Values can be like. I also think that the word values are being miscon. Like when you yep. hear the word values, it like it's confusing. Mm-hmm. Like, so I just went through this exercise with my athletes. We have um, Sam Quant just moved here. Amanda Barnhart just moved here. Katrin's here. And we go through these exercises. And I, when I went through this exercise, I did not ask them what their core values were. Because mm-hmm. right away, that's like, it's like a, a it's a yep. trigger something. Yep. I asked them, what's important to you? Mm-hmm. Just like, start with that. Like, just start thinking about what's important to you. And of course, people go um, family and relationships. And it's like, 
okay, like why? Like here's the way to think about this. When you when you have a kind of that pit in your stomach, like something just doesn't feel right. Actually, this is going to get to my the next question. Let's just go. This is the next question uh, mm-hmm. that you, everyone should be asking themselves is what's the root of this feeling? Hmm. So they should always be asking themselves that. Feelings are triggers. Mm-hmm. There is a, it's something, I should say it, something triggered that feeling. So what is the trigger there? When you start to find the triggers, you start to get the dots of your life and you can connect the dots to create a picture. But without the dots, you're just kind of going like, I'm pissed off. I'm amazing. This is amazing. I feel great. I'm laughing. I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm so frustrated. And like, if you ask yourself when you're feeling these feelings, don't try to suppress them. Welcome them. Like, well, I feel depressed. Okay. Like, what is it that's making me feel this way? I feel like I'm not connecting with my spouse. What's making me feel that way? And what you realize is you start to pull out some of the things that should be important. Because to me, like a feeling of peace and fulfillment, happiness, joy, whatever we want to say, is kind of the ultimate thing we should be shooting for. Mm-hmm. So if we start to pay attention to those feelings, we get to figure out the triggers that make us feel these different things. So what I found was when I'm driving home and I don't, from work every night, and I don't feel quite as awesome as I might otherwise want to be, I was like, why is that? And what I realized is the days that I don't call Heather, my wife, Mm -hmm. in the middle of the day, I don't feel awesome driving home. I feel like that's too long for me to go without checking in with her. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to be walking into when I get home. It's not that she's emotional or she's, it's always fine. I just don't feel great. I don't feel great. But I also know that when I call her in the middle of the day and just have a conversation, it's not like calling you like, hey, is the house on fire? Um, are the kids still alive? It's yeah. just a, it's a, hey, what's up? I always drive home even more excited to walk in the door. Now that's me. That's not going to be, that's not going to be most mm-hmm. people. But I also found like when I'm calling my mom and I call my mom and I'm like, I don't feel great about this call. Why do I not feel great about this call? It's because it's been too long since the last call. So what I did is start figuring out what is that length. And I don't, I can't go longer than this. Otherwise I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And all you do is you feel all these, and all these things start to fall into place a little bit. So the first one is like, what do I believe? What do I value? What do I want in my life? And the next one is when you're feeling these feelings, good, bad, middle, whatever it is, start to root the causes mm. of those feelings yep. so you can connect the dots. I love that. I love that little callback to coaching too, root the cause. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, yeah. So is that, is that, was that first batch kind of like one answer? The values, no, beliefs, that's whatnot, the, or is are, that kind are, of? That's two. So the first one is, what are your beliefs? What are your values? What do you want in your life? That's one question. Yep. Always be asking yourself that question. That should be like on a constant loop. And the next one is when feelings pop up, good, bad, or otherwise, don't try to push them away. I'm a tough guy. Yep. Don't like get overly emotional. Like, oh, the world is falling apart. Or on the other side, like this is amazing. And let like the happiness spill over. What is, what's causing those things that it's not, those things just didn't, they didn't come out of nowhere. Feelings are really important. They can help direct the path of your life. So mm-hmm. root, root where those are coming from. Got it. So is there a third? Yeah, there is. Um, um, what are, 
a great question that we should all be asking ourselves is what biases am I bringing to the table? Mm. So what are inside of our brain, there's the subconscious brain and there's the conscious brain. The conscious brain is logical. You give me a problem and we'll sit down and we'll figure it out really logically. There's not emotion involved. Um, but even more so than emotion, the thing that gets in tr- us in trouble from the subconscious brain is the subconscious brain is a pattern recognition machine. It's just a tape player and you can't change a tape player. Like as you're going through your life, the subconscious is on play and it's just going through like, hey, this person said this, this means this, that means, and it's all built in from our our evolutionary past. So part of it is just like inherent in us as human beings, which means like if somebody yells at you, it means like that's a threat. Like mm-hmm. that's in your subconscious brain. No one had to teach you that. That's just mm-hmm. there. As a baby, you knew it. Just like the animal kingdom, it's they just know these things. They know the things with the fangs and the claws you should stay away from. That's built into their subconscious. Yep. It's actually passed on through genetics. It's actually, there's it's really cool stuff that like all the stuff that can be passed on through genetics. One thing that, was passed on was um, a mouse in a maze learned how to navigate and find the cheese. Their offspring could figure out how to do it. Huh. Like things like that is passed on through genetics. So yep. part of this is just passed through, but the majority of it, I shouldn't say the majority, a big part of it actually comes from our upbringing, mm-hmm. which is through, usually it happens through the age of like seven or 12. Most of this subconscious is just set. Now, when I hear that and when you hear that, you go like, oh crap. Because we have little kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I doing? So that's what we should be doing. But that's why we need to be doing this. Yeah. What are these default, what is the default tape player in my head saying? So you, if you grew up with a very controlling mother, when you get in the relationship with your wife, you're going like, I will not be controlled. I will not be controlled. I will not be controlled. That's a self-conscious, that's a subconscious um, tape player going on in your head. And then you're on constant alert for anything that might look like controlling. When it's not, mm-hmm. she's just asking um, if you could clear your clear your the, the the table after dinner. She's not trying to control you. That's mm-hmm. just a normal human thing to say. Yep. But if you're on the lookout for like, don't try to control me, you freak out when she says that. So we got to be on the lookout for our biases, our patterns. The subconscious brain is 100 I'm sorry, is 1 million times more powerful than the logical brain. So as much as we want to be calculated and we think of ourselves as logical beings, we are not. Mm-hmm. We are living inside the matrix that's pre-programmed for us. And until we take the blue pill, I don't even know which one it is, the blue pill or red mm-hmm. pill, the one that gets takes you out of Wonderland and you can see all the, imagine if you could just like elevate and go like, oh my gosh, there was actually like readouts. Like this is your biases here. This is the Mm -hmm. pattern recognitions you're doing here and becoming aware of these things. It's really hard to do, Mm -hmm. but it only happens if we start becoming aware of the the voice inside of our head and go, Mm -hmm. whoa, why did that pop up? Mm -hmm. That's weird. You know, she said that and my mind immediately jumped to this. What's that all about? Which I think, and you tell me, but that feels like, that's step one and then step two or whatever the order is, is then go root, root the, root the problem or root the reaction, root the, root the issue. Right. So those last two are very well connected. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. See, how I did that. I made them all a nice sequence. Look at that. Like you did it on purpose. All right. 
Love that. Next one's going to be three questions that every business owner should ask themselves regularly. Okay. So I think that the most important thing any business owner can do is to create a really strong environment for their team. Mm. So I'd love to say like create a great product, think about marketing, make sure your finances are in check, you're mitigating risk, all these other things. It just all pales in comparison to the culture you're creating. Mm. And that's the same thing, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a coach of a sports team. Yep. Like if you don't have the strong locker room, if you don't have the strong culture, eventually the foundation is going to start to show cracks and it's going to come crumbling down. If, and I take the back. It might not crumble down. It'll be failure to thrive is what mm. it is. You don't die necessarily because of bad culture. You just don't thrive the way you should. So to me, that culture, that environment stems all off of, it's not the foosball tables. It's not the beer on <laughs> tap. It's not bringing pizzas on Fridays. It is trust. So what we should always be asking ourselves as leaders, as business owners, as people making the decisions um, is how can I create more trust? How can I create more buy-in with my team? And every interaction Every moment with the team, every conversation, every presentation, every bit of feedback is another opportunity for us to create more trust with that team. Trust, is there is no substitute for trust. Lack of trust puts a tax on every single interaction, every single thing that we are doing in the business. Whereas trust creates a it's like a, a surplus. It's like a bonus points for everything we do. We actually get magnified. It goes faster. It goes better. We are able to find um, better productivity. We're able to have better hard conversations. We're able to solve problems better. We're being able to be more creative. So to me, it's always asking ourselves this question of like, what can I do to create more trust in my team? Mm -hmm. And okay, second question is one of the big ways you can do that is how can I share my vision better? Mm. So we as business owners, we as entrepreneurs have this vision in our head that we live with 24-7. It's with us in the shower. It's with us when we're driving cars. It's unfortunately, it's with us even when we're playing with our kids. It's just, it's the nature of, I wish I could be more present, but I think about all the time. Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't say all the time, a lot of the time. Uh, so what we want to be able to do, we give ourselves way too much credit for how much we're sharing the vision. We go, our team knows what we're trying to do. They don't know what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of research out there. And I think the number is somewhere between 10 and 20% of employees can actually name the top three objectives for their organization. Mm. That's atrocious. If you don't know what your objectives are, basically what you're doing is you're coming to every single work without a purpose because you don't know what it is you're trying to create. And you're just going through the motions. That's not a very fun place to work. It's not going to be a very productive place to work. We give ourselves way too much credit because we go... All right, we're going to have a, a quarterly meeting. And in the quarterly meeting, we're going to lay out our top three objectives. And we're going to follow up this quarterly meeting with a, uh, a memo, the, the very like a follow-up. Like here's the key points. And we follow up an hour later, we send out a memo with here's our things. And then oh, next week, we even do a follow-up email with it again. And we give ourselves a big pat on the back because we've contacted these people three times and laid out three times in the course of seven to 10 days. That's essentially zero. I mean, that's like zero. They haven't heard it at all. Mm -hmm. Based off the number of information that's coming into them, based off the number of interactions they have, based off the number of the words that they read, speak, and listen to a day, that accounts for less than 1%. And I, I, we've done the, you know, I read an article or did the research, whatever, and that's actually the case. 
one less than one percent on a weekly basis has been about their vision and we go like we're doing awesome just like the trust and the buy-in it's one of these things it has to be a constant at every opportunity you have to go again this is what we're trying to do again this is where we're going because people want to feel a part of something and they want to know where they're going they want to know who else is on the bus and they want to know where the bus is going Mm -hmm. when those two things happen now i can trust the people around me and i can trust the organization Without those two things, we're not going to be able to optimize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got trust and vision. What's number three? Uh, and then it goes to the customer. Mm. And, it go, and it basically goes like, how can I improve the customer? And I'm going to use the word journey. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I improve the customer's journey? Because customer experience is two-pointed. It's like when they buy. It's when they show up to the amusement park. It's when they take class. It's... Um, when they um, put the deodorant on. It's more than just that one moment. It's the entire journey from when they first hear about your product to when they first start to um, learn about your product to when they search out to trust your product to when they try it to when they then trust it and buy it and then repeat use it and then refer to other people. You think about the entire customer journey and all the points along the way. And if you can think about how to improve and iterate along all of those steps, then, and you're creating a really strong team, those are probably three of the things we should be thinking about pretty consistently. Love it. All right. And our third of three questions today, three questions every athlete should ask themselves regularly. Definitely, we need to understand how much work, how much intensity and what the right work is that we should be doing at any given time. And the only way we're going to do that is if we ask ourselves just that, what's the best use of my time? Mm. And we ask that. So um, in terms of, should I be working on a weakness? Should I be working on my strength? Should I be doing extra stuff? Should I be backing off a little bit? Should I be doing more skill work? Should I be lifting more weights? Should I be running more? We should be always asking ourselves these questions about what it is that we should be doing at that given time to the point Mm of, should I, should I recover? Should I take a day off? Should I work on a weakness? So when we do that, we need to make sure that we're listening to our body and our mind. And when I say our mind, there's, you can get caught on this. So Mm. you have to be kind of understand that there's two aspects to the mind. We, we want to listen to the, the logical mind, not the mm-hmm. ego. So the ego mm-hmm. is going to say, um, do more work, run five more miles, bust your ass for our crew, for our people. Um, yep. Other people, it's going to go, no, sit on the couch. Um, but for our crew, the people listen to this, they're going to go, you should do another set. You shouldn't take a rest day. You should get back in the gym. You should be doing this. Uh, whereas if you listen to your body, maybe... And, and to the point of like, you should lift, you should attempt that one rep PR. You should lift at 90%. You, and maybe the body is saying, not today, bro. Like, not mm-hmm. today, girl. This ain't, this, this is not the right thing. And we're, we're approaching everything with a level of perspective as if you already knew tomorrow and next week what you could, what you should be telling yourself now. And the way you do that is not by listening to the ego. With that as well, the ego is going to go, don't work on your weaknesses. You're going to be embarrassed. Like if you 
I, I, you, you're terrible at muscle ups. Like don't jump up on the rings in front of these people. You can't do handstand walking. Don't try to handstand walk in front of these people. That's the mm. ego. So what is the best use of my time right now? Shut up ego. Let me do this thing. Mm-hmm. That's the first question. What's the best use of my time? Listen to the body, not the ego. Mm-hmm. So then goes along with that. The next question should be, um, what is my inner critic saying? Because we all have it. And no matter who you are, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, they still have it. It's just much quieter. They're much better at it than we are. But everyone's got this critic. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, is the little voice inside your head. And that voice is your thoughts. Those thoughts are not you. Those thoughts are either a critic, and the job of a critic is just to point out how people are coming up short. This is how they could have made the film better. This is why the food at the restaurant sucked. This is um, why their relationship's failing. Like that's what a critic does. Whereas a coach tells people how to make things better. Mm-hmm. We need to get aware and listen to that voice in our head and ask ourselves, is this the inner critic or is this the inner coach? And as we become aware of that, we're able to damper, turn the volume down a little bit on the critic and turn the volume up on the coach. And that's all we're trying to do. The critic's not going to go away. He's going to be there. But maybe he only pops up every fourth or fifth chapter of the book instead of after every single freaking sentence. (laughs) And the coach is popping up after every single sentence going like, yes, right on you. This is what you should be doing. Okay, maybe if we did it this way, that'd be even more productive. As opposed to going like, you're so slow. Like, you're never going to be able to do this. You shouldn't have eaten the cookies last night. Like, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, This workout is so freaking hard. What are you doing? Like, just back off. Like, become aware of the voice. I love that distinction between the inner critic and the inner coach. I'm not sure I've heard that that way before, but I like that. Cool. Um, Okay, third one. Maybe a little bit more technical. And maybe a little bit more for uh, people that race. It's racing specific. Yep. And CrossFitters race. We race. We do workouts. And when we work out, we race each other. Um, so it's not like basketball, right? Basketball, you don't race. Um, it's different. Soccer, you don't mm-hmm. race. But for racing athletes, um, what they should be asking themselves all the time in training and in competition is – is this my maximal sustainable pace? When you find out if you can answer that question as yes, you're doing it. Like that's the magic. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. The, we, to, to answer yes, first we have to break down that question a little bit. Is this my maximal? I could not be going faster. So it's the max. Pace, meaning I'm going to repeat this over and over again sustainable, continuing to do it over and over again. Meaning if we're running 20 laps around a track, you could ask yourself, is this my maximal sustainable pace? And right away, everyone would like check in. They, they kind of get that because mm-hmm. every lap you're going to run it. Are you going to be able to, if you run the first lap in a 145, but your next one's a 152, you didn't come out at your maximal sustainable pace. You came out too hot. Likewise, if you come out and your pace is a 145, but by number 13, you're at a 137, and then you sprint in at the end at 122s, you came out too slow. This is it. 
We're trying to train at or around and compete at threshold. Threshold is where all the magic happens. doesn't matter if you're trying to shoot a gun, learn to type, play classical violin, or thrusters and pull-ups. It's all about training at your threshold, practicing mm-hmm. at your threshold. Your threshold is your maximal sustainable pace. I don't need to know what it is actually on a stopwatch. I want you to know what it feels like and become really in tune. So you're feeling your maximal sustainable pace. Because then when you get in a workout, in a competition, and you've never done it before, and you don't know your splits, (laughs) those can't help you. It's got to be an intuitive feel type thing. So that's the third one. Got it. Love it. That was great. That was three questions. Everybody should listening should ask themselves regularly. Three questions every business owner should ask themselves regularly. And three uh, three questions every athlete should ask themselves regularly. Thank you, Ben, as always. Thank you, everybody out there listening. Thank you for sending us good questions for your ratings and your reviews. And we will see everybody next week on another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.